Hello, and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. Uh, the Colts are 7-6. and six. They're coming off of a very bad game against the Cincinnati Bengals. But the good news is the team that they're playing, the Pittsburgh Steelers, just lost to the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals. Am I right? You're right. Somehow, this is what the AFC is this year, where teams find ways to win. They find ways to lose games that make you think that they're not playoff teams, but then, you know, there's just so much carnage at the quarterback position, so many injuries across the league, and some teams just finding a way to, to overcome even when they have quarterback issues. Uh, both of these teams are on their backup quarterbacks, so it's going to be Garner Minshew versus Mitch Trubisky, and it's just crazy to think about, like, the stakes that, that this game has where the team that wins is in a good spot to make the playoffs if they can win one or two more. Uh, the team that loses is very, very on the outs, both mathematically and just the fact that, frankly, if you can't, you know, you, you got to go out there and beat a backup quarterback to, to feel legitimized as a playoff team, to be the type of team that's going to win out the rest of the season. So I feel like we're going to learn a lot on, on Sunday, especially with relation to the Colts, or on Saturday, I should say, especially in relation to the Colts, where, you know, they had the four game win streak where we weren't sure quite how real some of it was, was based on the opponents. They came crashing back to earth against the Bengals, but it was one day. Uh, this this game, I think, will tell us a little bit about kind of where they are between those two extremes of a team that can can take care of business and one that uh, on last Sunday looked a little overwhelmed by the moment because uh, the moment's here, and this is kind of like uh, to date, this is the biggest game of their season. Yeah, I think I think if if they win, it's like a sixty something percent chance to make the playoffs. If they lose, it's just 20. And we we, did, we detailed some of this on the last podcast because all of it had just happened. But a lot of it just has to do with how many teams there are in the AFC sitting at 7-6 and six right now. There's six teams as we head into, I don't what the week before Christmas. I can't remember what the week 15, week 16 stuff is. Uh, once the bye weeks happen, I get all thrown off on that. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, getting, we're getting down to the end here in December. There's six teams at seven and six. Only two of them would make the playoffs if they started today. There's just not a lot of room for error when there's that many teams in the same spot as you. Yeah, especially when we're going through some of the schedules and, and what teams are up against. And it just looks like based on what should happen, what's likely to happen based on how the teams are playing, what they're facing, Broncos and Browns have, have two very good routes to the playoffs. Yeah, and the Broncos is an interesting one because like the Broncos play the Lions this week, and it's like, oh, okay, they play the Lions. The games after that, they get the Patriots, the Easton Stick Chargers, and the Aiden O'Connell Raiders. Uh, like, yeah. it. If they beat the Lions, they pretty much punch their ticket. And the Lions haven't oh, – yeah. it's not like the Lions have played well recently either. But, I mean, obviously that's that's by far the hardest game left on their schedule. The other three teams you're talking about, the Chargers were bad with Justin Herbert. The Raiders have fallen off um, since they switched to Aiden O'Connell. Like, those are three really bad teams. Not just like – because the Colts have some teams that are, I don't think, good. 
They've got the Raiders in there, but that's the only one. That's they have like, the Raiders, but they also have like the Falcons who are in contention for a playoff spot, the Texans who yeah. are in contention for a playoff spot. Both on the road. There's reasons to not like both of those teams, plenty of reasons to not like both of those teams, but not in the same way that there's reasons to not like like the Raiders and the Chargers <laughs> without Justin Herbert and the Patriots. Like, There's big reasons to not like those teams. So, you know, it. you feel like the Broncos are probably in the driver's seat just given what their schedule is coming up. And then the, the the Browns, by virtue of that extra win, like I know their quarterback situation's a mess, but they don't really play anybody down the stretch. Like it feels like they can get two wins in there and get to ten and seven pretty easy. And that that if if the Browns and Broncos don't collapse and do what they're supposed to, that essentially means there's five teams for one spot. Yeah, and those five teams include the Bills, who certainly look they I know they have a tough schedule, but you saw that really tough schedule, but they did just go knock off the Chiefs, which was the start of that tough schedule. Like, if there's a team you don't want to count out, it's it's a team with that kind of playoff experience and that kind of quarterback. And yeah, then it's just it's it's really crowded after that, and that's where these two teams that are playing Saturday at Lucas Oil are. You know, they don't have a Josh Allen. They don't have sort of that same track record. They do have the opportunity to win a game to get to eight wins. From that point, it's one to two wins after this. But if you don't win this one, if you don't take care of the either Mitch Trubisky or, or Gardner Minshew that's in front of you, to then turn around and so for the for the Colts perspective, you know they got to go probably beat Houston, who's another one of those seven six teams. You have to go on the road to beat C.J. Stroud. It gets it gets harder if if you can't win this game. It almost feels like if they drop this one, they probably need to win out, or yeah. at least they very least need one of their two wins to come against the Texans. Yeah, and. It's also a game that's that's kind of hard to handicap just based on um, what we don't know. For instance, we're taping this on, I was about to say Thursday. It is Wednesday. It feels like yeah, Thursday. The whole week's thrown off. Um, and TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are currently in concussion protocol, but they're practicing and I don't think I need to. I think I don't think I think even casual NFL fans know who T.J. Watt is. Like that feels whether or not those two guys play feels like an enormous part of what's going to happen in in this game. Oh, it's absolutely huge because we just saw what Trey Hendrickson was able to do on Bernard Bernard Ryman, who's had a very very nice season. But this is the time of year where like you have a young player at a premium position, and that situation was on the road. You know, in that environment, I think that it, it really got to Bernie. Gave up six pressures and two sacks, and one of them was a you know basically a strip sack that um, really you know his his roughest moment. And so this is sort of like how do you you learn from that moment? You come back home, which helps a little bit. But the challenge could be absolutely immense if those guys play. Uh, T.J. Watt, I think he he typically rushes off the right side, uh, but Alex Highsmith, you know. Bernhard Ryman had that matchup last year in same basically same spot at home against the Steelers, and that was one of his his tough rookie moments. So uh, we just saw what we saw on Sunday is like this offense with what they're up against right now. We'll see. Maybe there's a chance Jonathan Taylor plays. He has not practiced either day this week, so I think that seems unlikely. But if they don't have Jonathan Taylor. They have to pass protect, or I just don't know how this is going to work. They're currently not running well enough against base defenses, and 
there's a lot to like in their wide receiving core right now, but if they're not protecting Gardner Minshew, the idea that he's going to consistently get the ball to that receiving core and avoid disaster, that was the game plan against the Bengals, and it went really poorly. I don't think that's what they want to be up against. So a lot of this is going to come down to what levels of Watt and Highsmith are in this game. I'm much less worried about Ryman than I am about Blake Freeland. Um, I think I think based on what Ryman's done this season, my my general my general belief is that he'll probably bounce back, and that you know, good tackles can have bad games, obviously. Um, so you just kind of go with the overall body of work. Blake Freeland has struggled sometimes. Um, he's like I, he hasn't been disastrous. That's the thing. It's like he's the third tackle, so you hold him up against some of the third tackles we've seen in Indianapolis here the last couple of years, and it's like, oh, he's doing really well. He's He's been okay. He hasn't been – he's not been anywhere near the level of what Braden Smith is when he's in there. And if Watt plays against Freeland, big, big problems. If Watt is full go and ready to play and he's going up against Blake Freeland, um, which you would expect the Steelers to do, frankly, mm-hmm. like that that could be big issues. Uh, we, I mean, the, the last couple of times – Hendrickson had his big game against Ryman, but the last time that we saw like one of the NFL's what top ten-ish pass rushers, I, I don't want to. I'm casting the net probably wider than I need to, because I'm just making sure that like we don't have a big argue, we don't have like a bunch of people being like, how can you put him in over this person? But like T.J. Watt is like a Miles Garrett level force, and Miles Garrett did terrible things when he was here. Mm-hmm. So, T.J. Watt versus Blake Freeland is a huge concern going into this week. Especially the way that that kind of a matchup right now is working into Gardner Minshew's head a little bit. And arguably it should because in that you know that matchup against Miles Garrett was his second straight game with four turnovers. But for a while now, Gardner has, he has cut the turnovers down, but they've come with this sort of there's a nervousness to how he's playing in the pocket, and especially when he gets out scrambling, and he has even when he has a chance to scramble. We've seen moments where he slides early, moments where he turned back around to look for the pass rush behind him. That is going to increase when there's a guy like T.J. Watt on the field because of just just how quick his closing speed is, just how much you expect him to be around the play. You're almost surprised if he's not creating pressure. So some of this this happy feet stuff from Gardner that that we've seen it, it really rare up flare up at times like in Germany I think we're probably going to see that if TJ Watt even just the presence of TJ Watt is out there and if he's out there against Blake Freeland it's going to be a win for him kind of even if he's maybe not as as sharp as he has been coming off the injury we'll have to see there but that this is a game where like to me on paper so many of the other matches we could talk about I think you would, you could argue that Colts should beat a team like starting Mitch Trubisky that's struggling as bad as it is against you know losing games to the Cardinals and Patriots. But sometimes all it takes is one matchup that is so so skewed at such a premium level, and that could be the right tackle against T.J. Watt if he plays. Yeah, the uh, if you, the, the weird thing is like the Steelers are seven and six, and you sort of like look up their numbers expecting to see defense like really good shutdown defense 
it turns out they're they're not really playing that way this year. What they are doing, and this is this is where Minshew plays into it, and this is why I brought it up right after you you mentioned him. They they're turning people over. Mm-hmm. That's that's how the Steelers are winning games. They've got twenty one. They forced twenty one turnovers this season. They've only committed eleven. They're plus ten in that category. Um, by the same token, like the Colts are, are just plus one. And that's that's the margin, and so it, it is going to come down to them protecting the football. It has to, it has to come down to them not turning the football over, because the Steelers that's what the Steelers are living for. Yeah, it's it, it is a weird weird season for the Steelers. Where I think it was through their first ten games, they'd been outgained in every single game, but they were six and four. Like they have found a way to do just enough. Between the stats that stand out for them are their their high turnover rate, their ability to to protect the ball within that, and then they really rise up in the red zone in some short yardage moments. They're just sort of they're eighth in red zone defense. Yeah, yeah. So they their defense just finds a way to either force a turnover. It really is a bad but don't break defense. They let you into the red zone, but they stop you, or they force a turnover on the course of that long drive. And that's where this Colts team is not. Bill, they've they've had moments where they have gotten explosives, mostly with Shane Steichen dialing up some cool, uh, tricky play designs, or you know, occasionally a couple weeks ago we saw with Alec Pierce down the field for a couple of plays. But for the most part, when Jonathan Taylor isn't out there, that's been a big challenge for this offense is getting the explosive plays, which means you are by nature a drive it down the field type of offense. You run that many plays that many dropbacks against TJ Watt that's that's the formula that the Steelers are writing right now and so I don't know the easy way around that except that I think the easiest way honestly they've got to find a way to run the ball again because teams have run on the Steelers this year that's they really have not shut that down at all and it feels like a game where Jonathan Taylor could have a huge game if he was out there he looks unlikely to be out there so can they get Zach Moss back to you know, some kind of productive level. It's happened only once really in the past five games, and that was with the help of Taylor. But they something's got to give this week as far as running against base defense and finding ways to get even even just some chunk yardage in the run game uh, that can can make these drives a little bit easier. Yeah, just for perspective on, on a Steelers defense, um, Arizona rushed for 150 yards. Now it was a high-volume game. They had 38 carries in that game two weeks ago. Early in the season, they really gave up a lot of yards. Um, I I think that there's a piece of this with the run game right now that's that I want to talk about for a little bit. Like, I don't know that the Colts the Colts uh, the Colts rushing offense has not been like super. It hasn't been super efficient this year, just in terms of yards per carry. Um, I know the EPA is it doesn't look great, um, but it's it's less about the efficiency of the run game for me. Like they're they're twenty first in yards per carry at four point one. That's sort of the easy stat. Um, it's less about the efficiency of the run game and more about can they get enough bolt production to essentially just mean that Gardner Minshew doesn't have to win the game entirely on his own, which is what Cincinnati just did. Cincinnati forced Gardner like the only way that the Colts were scoring basically was if the passing game went off and he he's just not going to do that and so like they whatever they have to do if they have to get the run game going in some way shape or form just because 
the quarterback can't do it on his own. If you if if you're playing with a quarterback who can this run game thing wouldn't matter as much if you're playing with a quarterback who can throw people out of it. Minshew has not been able to throw people out of it um, for going on two months now, and they they've got to find a way to run against some of the against these base defenses and the heavy, the, you know, people leaving a linebacker on the field even when they have three receivers out there. They've got to find a way to do it because that's that's the only way that this offense is going to get going with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. He's he's played like a backup this season. Yeah, and really what stood out against Cincinnati was just the lack of a run game also just put them – the lack of a run game combined with all the penalties put them in spots where it was a no-doubt passing situation. And this is where you are asking your weaknesses to show, which is your backup quarterback playing, trying to extend the play, hold the ball long enough to let Rouse develop, your backup rookie right tackle dropping back, or in this case, you know, you had an embattled Bernard Ryman dropping back against Trey Hendrickson. That's the type of situation that can happen against Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt with Gardner Minshew on Sunday, on Saturday. The one way out of it, the clearest way out of it, is to run at least well enough to stay out of those positions. So, yeah, those efficiencies, the efficiency numbers, like Shane Sago was talking about this week, those are often built by, like, you rip off a 45-yard run at some point that makes the overall – yards per carry look good in the end. They don't have the back that's going to do that very often right now. So it's not really – I'm not saying that they need to go out and average five and a half yards a carry because it's not realistic. But they need a game closer to like how they ran on Baltimore, which was not a banner – it was a huge volume day. Good example. It was yeah, not, keep going. Yeah. It was not a banner efficiency day, but they got a lot of first downs. They turned out the yards they needed. They kept out. They stayed out of dangerous situations. They had one turnover that day. They they sort of managed that enough to where their defense could make some plays. Matt Gay could hit some big kicks. That's complimentary football. It's like staying, keeping the weakest part of their teams out of those positions of going up against the strengths of the other opponent. Uh, the opposite of that is what happened in Cincinnati, where they couldn't run really at all. They had the penalties, drop back on second and 15 or third and eight, and Trey Henderson tees off. That's the situation they have to stay out of against T.J. Watt. Yeah, Jim Bob Cooter really felt like part of Ryman's bad day was the fact that the Bengals essentially didn't have to worry about the run on Sunday. He kind of kept coming back to that with some of the protection issues. The offensive line, I think, has been very consistent in pass protection. Not, not, so not as consistent in the run blocking this year, but very consistent in the pass protection. Um you want them to be able to keep from. You really want to be able to keep T.J. Watt and Highsmith from pinning their ears back. It's just, I mean, it just makes sense. And and maybe 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 you have to do some of that in in the the play design. You know, play action rollouts that kind of thing. The hard part is you don't want to get Minshew roll on the move too much because he struggles with it to throw when he's on the move. So, mm-hmm. I it's well, it's, it's a dangerous is- offensive situation. It like they have to get the. They have to get the run game going at least at least a little bit. And they have to get the run game going at least a little bit. You have to get the run game going too to get play to get in situations where play action works. So running play action on second and fifteen, that doesn't exactly freeze TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. It's more when you can get them into second and four where those options are there, run versus versus pass. And then that helps your, you you select more RPO plays, which is really where Gardner's always been at his best is those quick decisions and throwing kind of just in that phase 
of the RPO game. So it is, they have to get back to what was working, you know, back when we were praising this office just a few weeks ago, or maybe it was – I know the Bucks game really felt this way, where they kind of hit everything they needed to hit on, which is RPO game throwing through that to set up the run, and then they fortunately don't have the one-two punch, but if they can get more of a Baltimore-Zach Moss performance – think that's the best route they can do and eventually i mean this you know we haven't really talked about the other side of the ball but that's really the side i think that's probably gonna have to win it so we say this time and again but the pass rush has got to got to be the closing piece of this team going up against mitch trubisky uh steelers offensive line's okay but you put it's just been a broken enough offense that that those guys should be able to take advantage of it against a backup quarterback defensively for the colts uh, kind of feels like stop the run is is the key here. Not that the Steelers have been great. This is another area where the the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers obviously haven't been great on offense. They fired their offensive coordinator how many weeks ago? Uh, that was week after week ten. We we age or we we week age 11. in like it, a month of a season feels like two years to us. So it's hard to remember sometimes exactly when. But they fired their offensive coordinator yeah. earlier this it was, season. It was during the Colts bye week. Um, and if you look at it's the same thing looking at the Steelers offensively, they really can only run like they they're fifth they're fourteenth in yards per carry, fifteenth in yards per game. Their passing numbers are bad. Twenty uh, eighth in yards per game, twenty sixth in yards per play. They're okay at protecting the quarterback. So far, 13th in sacks per pass attempt. But you just don't feel like I, – I don't feel like uh, – George Pickens is having a good statistical season. I don't feel like this is a, a game where you're – like last game the Colts were so worried about the Bengals receivers. I don't feel like you have to feel the same way against the Steelers. No, I don't think so. I, they just haven't – there's talent in that receiving core between Pickens and Deontay Johnson, and then you add in Pat Fryermuth, but they've – They've just not gotten it together this year between the offensive coordinator firing. Kenny Pickett has not taken that step forward. Of course, now he's injured. Uh, they have not. They just have not finished drives. I mean, Kenny Pickett has like six touchdowns on the season in 12 starts. Uh, I think that's the right number. But I, like, it's it's just been rough for them to uh, – They only have 18 touchdowns as an offense. Yeah, six touchdown passes and twelve starts for Kenny Pickett. So they, they have nine rushing touchdowns and nine passing touchdowns this season. They just aren't they aren't getting much payoff for what they are in a passing game. They're pieces that have not come together and it this is what's hard when you don't have the quarterback. And now they're on a backup in Mitch Trubisky who I don't know. I mean you could I think you can do worse at backup than than him, a guy who has started and played a good amount, a guy who has that mobility at the same time that you know, they just they just had him out against the Patriots and lost a home game. Uh, the idea that he's going to step in and fix this broken passing game, you know, that's it's a tougher bet to make. So it is about the run game for the Steelers, where they've uh, they, they've gotten they've gotten better at that. I feel like over the past month or so. And the other thing that really watch out for is if the Steelers did any scouting at all, you know, they're going to run some screen passes. Jalen Warren is a pretty electric back when they can get him out in space uh that's i mean the 
Colts talk so much about how they have to fix that part. So you got to think that's the focus in practice. But if you're the Steelers, you make them prove that they can actually fix it because on Sunday they couldn't guard any any type of screen. They gave up 124 yards on three screen passes. And that in this kind of a game, if, if this ends up being a game where it's tough for offenses to get going, a stat like that may be all it takes is if just a couple of explosive plays through the screen game. So – uh, that that is one matchup to look for. Forty-two catches for Warren this season. He's also averaging five point six yards per attempt. Uh, him and Pickens, if someone's going to hit an explosive play out of this Steelers offense, it's it's Warren or Pickens, basically, mm-hmm. based on how the season has gone so far. They they're averaging six point two yards per attempt as a passing game. That's awful. That's truly terrible. And so I think that that changes the game a little bit in terms of, you know, last week they were worried about the Bengals going off. Browning has shown more of a had shown more of a capability of doing that just on Monday night than the Steelers really have all season. Six point two is it's just it's just terrible. Yeah, I was just for reference trying to see uh, because we bring this this stat we use all the time with Gardner's that he Gardner's at six point seven. So that's quite a bit better than 6.2, and we don't talk about 6.7 as if it's lighting it up. So, oh, the Steelers, honestly. NFL teams want 7.5. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 7.5 is considered good. They're at 6.2. It's just one of those teams that's it's, it's crazy to look at and think that they're 7-6 and six, and maybe regression hitting them hard because they started 6-3. and three. And now they're hitting not only losses, but some very bad losses. But at the same time, we know what the Steeler brand is, and they have not ever had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. I remember last year they came in here. I think they were 3-7. and seven, And they beat the Colts, and then they finished 9-8. and eight. They again avoided a losing season. So they, they know how big of a game this is for them, where Steelers' schedule after this game gets difficult. It depends. Their last game is against Baltimore. So it depends if Baltimore is playing for something. That could either be a really hard game or not. But in general, the Steelers have one of the tougher remaining schedules uh, from here on out of some of these teams we talked about, especially compared to like the Broncos. Uh, so they know what this moment is going to be like. And it just it's like can they play within themselves, this weird team that does not have a lot of strengths, can they play within the ones they have, which is protect the ball on offense, run high volume enough to sort of string together some field goal drives and then let your pass rush wreck it and get turnovers. Like that's going to be the formula that they're going to take into here against the Colts. And if if you're the Colts, if you're, if you're a real playoff team, you should be able to rise above that because that's not a lot of options. But it's also requiring the Colts to sort of quickly bounce back from the things that did them wrong and – in Cincinnati as far as you know a team's game plan taking their pass rush out as far as you know not being able to pass pro against elite pass rushers and that mixed with the run game putting way too much on the quarterback so this is an ultimate test of like which of these teams can solve these these pretty big issues and win the game that their season needs to have to in order to make the playoffs so here's here's the question (laughs) The, here's the here's the question we haven't discussed yet with the Steelers. Do you know how many quarterbacks in Colts history have beaten the Steelers? 
Indianapolis Colts history? Uh, very few, because I think their last win was 2005. It's two. Peyton Manning and Mike Pagel. That's it. <laughs> uh, for whatever reason, the Steelers have a weird hold over the Colts. Um, you mentioned the game last year in 2020. Colts went up big on the Steelers, and things went horribly wrong after that in Pittsburgh. Um, it. So I would say that I am not a street person in general. I, I do buy into what the players always say about it, which is, like, this is a different team, different thing. Like, I do agree with that. Like, you think about how different these Colts teams have been since 2018 which is the first year i was here and i feel like it really illustrates that at the same time and i i, I don't know necessarily that the like i i, I don't know necessarily that the analytics support like the idea that like there's some magical force keeping you from beating a team at the same time the colts have lost a gazillion games in jacksonville that they should have been that they were favored heavily to win and like I don't know. It's making me wonder if, like, if there's some sort of weird something with the Steelers and the teams like the Steelers and Jaguars that that should be counted for. I, I don't know. It's not something you can quantify, other than other than just the Colts don't beat the Steelers. They just don't ever do it. It's hard to quantify. I do think sometimes when you have matchups streaks that go this long, this big of a sample in one direction, it does show you about the matchup. And I think there's things that we got into with the Jaguars game going on the road there. Uh, just kind of the fact that they're in their building and the way that they just seem to always take away the run game and put it on a quarterback who's never quite ready and it's exposed sort of the broken quarterback carousel the Colts have had playing in there without you know without being able to take Anthony Richardson in there uh with the Steelers like I just the last time the Colts beat the Steelers was 2005 Mike Tomlin became the coach in 2007 and they can't ever beat them since I do think there's something to what Mike Tomlin has done to a lot of teams is when when he's needed to rise up when he's needed to get a win like this when he's needed to kind of raise the floor of his team they do it, and it, they, they, they punch back a lot. And they just seem to get the Steelers in these moments. Last year was like this, where like they really needed a win. Last year, if they lose that game, they go to 3-8. and eight. I mean, the, the, whole, the wheels were just about falling off then. They, they were just saving it by the fact that they had just inserted this rookie quarterback. And once they got to 4-7 and seven with that win on Monday night football or Sunday night football, whatever it was, they, they were able to – to ride the ship and have a winning season. This year, it's like they they have lost two straight games to bad teams. They are, you know, they are fading in the wild card race. And there's, you know, just hearing from, from people I know who, who are around that team, they, there's a lot of sort of internal drama there. Uh, if you've seen recently some of George Pickens' sideline outbursts, um, you've had comments from Najee Harris that are, very interesting slash troubling about leadership and kind of his role with his fit on that team. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick has sort of taken issue with uh, some things in the locker room. So there's like, this is sort of a moment that's, that tests what, what Mike Tomlin's always brought, which is the ability to really kind of get a team back on the right course. And so this is going to be the latest test is can he do this? Because on paper at most positions, I think the Colts are the better team. But if they can win the matchups with 
if their edge ends up being Mike Tomlin and that pass rush, it's possible that's all they need. And if that's what they get, and if they can get a win, I mean, the Steelers can very quickly flush a little bit of those two painful losses because they're right back in at eight and six. If they fall to seven and seven, uh, that's where all those issues kind of that, that are bubbling within the locker room kind of can, can bubble over. So this, even though the record is different, it feels kind of like last year where this is like, this is a game Mike Tomlin needs to win. That's typically gone his way against the Colts, and and we'll see if he does it again. Yeah, the turnovers too. Like if if the Colts turn the ball over three times and the Steelers don't, like Steichen's brought that up over and over again. You know, the the other like the if 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 you if you lose a turnover turnover battle that badly, you'll probably lose the game. Um, one last piece of this, so. Or one last piece about this game. It's a story I wrote today. Someone got really mad at me on on X Twitter, which I don't really want to like get into too much. But I do want to talk about this just in terms of the offense and the season as the whole. Like the tweet I sent out was that Michael Pittman's the the only one that Colts know they can count on. Like that's more of a consistency thing, and it's not necessarily other players' fault. Like they've been hurt, but like Jonathan Taylor's been in and out of the lineup. Josh Downs got hurt. And wasn't quite the same player for a little while. The offensive line has been pretty consistent. Like Quentin Nelson and Will Fries in particular, I think, have been pretty consistent. Um, but there have been games where the offense, like especially the run game, the offensive line hasn't always had holes. Like I just kind of, I, I don't know. Like maybe it's just maybe it's just the way that platform works, and people are always talking about like like they're going to the extreme. But like Pittman is the one thing about this offense that you can count on every week. I, I don't think that that's like super crazy to say. No, because it's not. So and and like I said, it's not necessarily like the player's fault. Like Jonathan Taylor's been hurt. Zach Moss's role changed because Taylor came back. Like Pittman, the steady drumbeat of Pitt, Pittman getting eight catches is the one true thing that has like been like every of just about every game is true. He's had eight catches in. Uh Said eight catches ten of thirteen. In ten different games. And ten of thirteen. That's tied for the third most such games in the league in ten years. So they have one thing that's very little about this team's been consistent because of the injuries and because of youth in some spots and all that. Like the one thing that's been super, super consistent at levels like that is is Michael Pittman. And that's it was fitting on Sunday where you look at that box score, there's nothing that fits what the Colts have been, how they've succeeded. Everyone who had succeeded statistically had a bad game in that one, except Michael Pittman Jr. So he's sort of become that guy who's like, it's the one thing that I will give them is that when they can't run the ball, there is enough kind of basic shorter depth of target production through Michael Pittman that sort of serves that way. And he's he's started he's, – he's getting just a little bit more – than he was in terms of the the route depth to turn those into first downs, and so it's sort of these these yak opportunities where that's how he's always liked to play is catch the ball and, and then pretend he's the running back like he like his his dad when he was growing up and he was following his game. So that is one way that they can supplement the offense. It just doesn't feel quite enough. Like we saw on Sunday, it was not enough. If that's all they have, it's got to have something along with it. So. Either I think you need to have that Zach Moss volume game. Maybe this is a game where they get, you know, Josh Downs can get a little bit more uh, back to how he was playing. He's he's had a an interesting season where it's both 
a banged up knee affecting him, the long season, and also defenses have started to key in on this slot receiver that was, you know, that, that kind of came out of nowhere as a third round pick and was doing stuff, you know, or they get back to Alec Pierce. But the thing is with Alec Pierce, it's tough because we just like a week ago thought, you know, they unlocked something there. Maybe they did, but for the them, quarterback is still the quarterback. The quarterback's still the quarterback and he, he's got to have time to throw some of those routes too. And if it's TJ Watt against a backup right tackle, I don't know how much they will even want to try that knowing just how critical turnovers will be to who decides who wins this game. So it's just, it's an unfortunate situation for Pierce. I just don't think he has, the, the system around him this year to fill the role that he's in to the to a really high level. It's more that we just don't quite fully know where he is at because of of the situations. The one guy though that just to your point is none of this is really thrown off is Michael Pittman. You can have tackles out. You can have Jonathan Taylor out. You can have you can switch the quarterback. You can have Josh Downs not showing up. Pittman seems to get his every single game and I mean it's it's five straight games. I think it's six straight games six. now with eight catches. So every week since he came out and said he's not as big of a part of the offense, he now gets eight catches every week. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the ride-or-die option right now. And you hope, I don't know, maybe that's enough this week. It's, it's two offenses that don't have a lot to lean on. It does help the Colts that they have that one set stable thing that, that defenses, even though they know it's coming, have not been able to take away. Yeah, I, I think I think and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but I think it's important to just revisit with Pittman. It's just I think there's a lot of value in a guy who just keeps making catches. Like I his yards his yards per catch are not great. He's not over a thousand yards yet despite having ninety five catches on the season. It's really more that's really more a function of the quarterback than it is him. Um mm-hmm. and and those those catches all matter. Like Shane Steichen was saying, like everyone remembers the touchdown catch and the Pierce catch from the overtime, but Pittman had a tough eight yard catch on first down to start that overtime. That was a, ended up being a huge play for them in that game. There's a lot of little catches like that where that's, and that was really the story I wrote was about, you know, he gets hit all the time, for the most part he makes the catch, and. A lot of those tough contested catches end up moving the chains or getting them in an advantageous situation. Like that that stuff gets discounted in an offense, and I don't think it should. I think that might be my, my, my most consistent wide receiver take is that guys that can consistently make catches, even if it's not necessarily for huge yardage. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterbacks. He's he was he was over a twelve yard per reception receiver his first two years in the league, and then the last two years has fallen off. And what's what changed? quarterbacks changed the style of quarterbacking changed and and before you go Carson Wentz was bad yes Carson Wentz was bad but with Pittman he threw deep um so like yeah with Carson it was like the efficiency maybe it was his best season it was maybe like down the stretch the efficiency wasn't as good but they went down the field to him they they well they stopped Wentz stopped throwing the ball to him after he got picked in against Tampa and it like took away a big part of like the only things that the passing game was doing well, yeah. but but essentially since then like it it's not Pittman's fault that he doesn't have quarterbacks who can get it down the field. Pierce Pierce has been struggling with this all season that his skill set is down the field and the quarterback can't necessarily get it to him. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just think we're probably underrating Pittman a little bit 
um, and the season he's having, considering that everybody knows the ball is going towards him every time and they know that they can't really push it down the field. It's also impressive to me how just durable he is in the fact that he's really never dealing with injuries. And some of this is certainly not, you know, plenty of this is left up to chance, and I'm not saying that it's not. But it Pittman's style is built to be super physical where you don't have a quarterback kind of throwing you open down the field. you got to come back to every ball. You're catching it, turning around, and he's looking for that smoke. He's going head up on guys and he's trying, you know, he's trying to run like a running back, and to do that, and also play such a high volume role where it's eight catches every week, and just nothing seems to to throw him off that anymore. He's just he is so kind of he he has this way. It's 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 the skills he has. It's the fact that he's six four and as big as he is to absorb that contact and play that way. It's not everyone has that. And for example, Josh Downs is is having an awesome rookie year and I think he they're very very excited about him but they have had discussions about how trying to have this high volume role for a player his size going across the middle you know there is a cost to that and he's dealing with a knee issue that has slowed him a little bit like there's just nicks that come up like Jonathan Taylor has dealt with injuries since he had his big you know 300 carry season that happens to running backs it's like it's just it's hard to lean on a lot of guys at high volume and like keep them there and keep them fresh. And Pittman's one guy that they've somehow found a way to do both, where he has every game he has this high workload, and he always seems to come out of it pretty unscathed, and that lets you go right back to the well the next week. He's the one piece of the offense that we've never gone into a week going, what's going to happen there this season? Mm-hmm. Like, he had one game with one catch. Other than that, it's been – and I think there was another – there was another – what, two? Um, yeah, but he had one with two, but one was a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, th- all I'm saying is, like, it, as a game planner, they've had running backs up and down. They've had other receivers up and down. They've had injuries all over the offensive line. Like, they've had – I think they've done a really good job – of some some players playing well for a while, some players, and then when they get hurt or when they're dealing with something, they fall off, and somebody else steps up. For a long time, that for I mean, that's really the story of this Colts season is how Shane Steichen and the coaching staff has gotten wins out of an offense that has been losing players left and right. Um, but the one person that we've never had to like ask Shane Steichen about in terms of a consistency standpoint is Pittman. He's the one like you can just pencil him in. He's going to do this. Like if we get it to him, he's going to he's going to make the catches. That's that's like you know, and I I think that that's super valuable. I really do think that that's a valuable thing to have in an offense. Um you you want the explosive plays. Trust me, Shane Steichen wants the explosive plays. They're not going to have them with Gardner Minshew. And in not, not on a consistent basis, not on like a you're going to get a bomb every week. Uh, or two bombs like they did in Tennessee. You're not going to get those every week. And you need guys who can move the chains. And that's what Pittman does. Pittman moves the chains. And what's really impressive is the fact that defenses know this, and there's still been no real counter to it. So, like, a guy like Zach Moss has had some big-time rushing performances against uh, against the Titans. I'm trying to think what his other 100-yard game was. He was really good against the Bucks. Like, But when he has a big game like that, what often happens is the defense then says we're going to go base and make you do something else, and that's when 
you know, the numbers aren't there. There's usually an explanation for why guys have a big game, then they fall off a little bit. Josh Downs is seeing more attention underneath. It's forced the ball to go elsewhere. Defenses are not able right now to force the ball to somewhere other than Pittman because, believe me, they're trying. They, they know who's going to get the ball, and they know that this offense doesn't have that many – You know, with, with Taylor out, they don't have that many you know, trusted pieces to go to to make life easy. And it's just sort of Pittman's – you know, Pittman's attention to detail and practice, the way he's running his routes, the way he's matching that up with, with the film study has just got this player who's kind of locked in and also physically a difficult matchup when they do move him around the way that they do. And uh, so, yeah, the fact that you can bank on his production is important because you really can't do that with any other player. Anyway, I don't always love the I don't always love the X Twitter stuff, but I, I just wanted to use it as an appreciation of what Pittman's doing. Um, and he's going to need to do it again probably on Saturday. Colts play the Steelers uh, on Saturday at four thirty. This is we'll call this their primetime game, kind of, because it's a national window game. There's nobody else on, and they don't have any. The NFL didn't give them any other ones this year, so it's prime time. And this if you one, win, you can go to the playoffs. This one and the uh, the the game in Germany will count as the. As I guess the NFL is counting as their primetime games. Well, um, they had the uh, they had a four o'clock game against the Panthers that. For yeah, but that was, was not a national window game. Thank God it wasn't. <laughs> that was not a national window <laughs> game. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The stakes are huge. The stakes are huge. If you win this, you have a real shot at the playoffs. If you don't, you're in You're in a tough spot. You probably need to win out. And so it's it's as, as much as it seems weird to say about this Steelers team um, and really a Colts team that's playing with their, with their backup quarterback, this is a huge game. It's a huge game if you're going to make the playoffs – uh, we'll be there to cover it. For the Indy Star, I'm Joel Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. We'll be back after the game on Saturday.